Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Profit Roadmap. I'm Barry Duplessy alongside Cody Owen as always. Yes, the this is not just another edition of the Profit Roadmap. It is our 30th, our 30th Profit Roadmap edition, which makes it our Pearl edition. And we've got some pearls of wisdom today, don't we, Cody? Barry, I don't understand. I thought the 30th wedding anniversary was diamonds. <laughs> no, that would be according to the Chicago reference uh Rep, the Chicago Public Library reference system of the modern gift would be the diamond. However, I am not a modern guy like you since you were born in the 90s. I am more of a traditional person. The diamond anniversary is the 50th and it will stay that way and that's when my wife's going to get her next diamond is on the 50th anniversary. So. I just I don't understand why on a cutting edge broadcasting medium like podcasting you'd want to revert to some antiquated system of remembrance I'm also a baseball guy. You forget this, uh, Cody. I'm a man of tradition, a man of values, and like our like our listeners who are all small business. If only we could get fantastic. If only we could get past America's pastime to like a cool sport. <laughs> well, we can't do rock climbing. I don't know something so cool that it's like on ice. Maybe ice hockey. You were from Texas. A- How is hockey? <laughs> anyway, okay, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll say that. Me, we'll- give me another sport that lets guys punch each other Boxing? during the course of play. MMA. Throwing it out there. Wrestling. Uh, judo, if you're not hey, looking. There's no, there's no ball or puck involved in... That's it's a not a straight-up fight. It's sometimes you have to settle things with a fight. That's true. Like, right now, I'm going to solve this fight by ending it. Despite the fact that uh, this, this sounded like a an hour of Cody and Bear going at it over meaningless uh, uses of it's knowledge. It's actually been We've a minute and 50 seconds. A minute and 50 <laughs> seconds of great value. We have another value. You've heard her laughs, her giggles in the last few minutes because Cody and I are just... You know, we'll just never be at the end. We'll just never end (laughs) with going against each other. But that's all right. Uh, Today we have and we are honored and privileged to have um, our HR, that's human resources representative here at Service Autopilot. Uh, Jess Winsett is sitting down with us today. Jess comes to us by way of UTA uh, and has spent the last nine years in human resources. And uh, she is already solving problems here at Service Autopilot by firing you and I after this interview <laughs> and uh, whittling some of the fat off and, and finding some better people to come in. But uh, uh, all joking aside, Jess, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, you know, let's kind of cut to why we decided to have you on this uh, this show. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, HR, human resources, that, that, that term kind of gets tossed around and mm-hmm. is people are associate that with large corporations and large companies and intense fear yeah for you know for 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 reasons you know that may or may not sound obvious but what can our listeners who are small business owners learn about either adopting human resources tactics or even hiring just someone to do human resources for them you know there's a lot of things that i think um hr can help with especially in small business be it recruiting healthcare. um a lot of wage hours issues, labor laws. There's just a lot of things that HR can bring to the table, especially for small business owners. Are you saying if I just pretend labor laws don't exist, I won't, I'll run into problems or something? <laughs> uh, some really big problems and even bigger fines, probably. <laughs> well, that brings about a good point because, I mean, labor laws are very complicated, as is, you know, insurance, onboarding, other compliance items and things like that. And by hiring someone, a professional like yourself, mm-hmm. to manage those, that's you're basically hiring an expert to deal with 
all the confusion and everything, correct? Exactly, exactly. Let's talk about something that's probably the most associated thing with human resources, and that's personnel and finding the right labor to go into the topic of labor. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are some of your best philosophies that you can pass on to some of our small business owners that listen to us uh, for hiring practices? Yeah, I would say my number one thing that I think gets looked over a lot would be um, whenever you do have a position open up is always looking internally first because you always have those people who are wanting to get to the next level and upward mobility seems to be the number one complaint from a lot of employees. Um, so I would say don't discount the people you have. You have proven talent right under your nose and always look there first. You know, we uh, we recently had Chris Volpe on the show and he talked about hiring um, for coachability and not necessarily experience. Um, have you used this practice uh, in the past? And did you find that to be a, a pretty a pretty solid uh, hiring philosophy? Absolutely, because there are, there are things that you need to look past the resume, right? Um, besides hiring somebody who's less experienced, there's obviously cost-saving opportunities associated with that. But besides that, you have somebody who's really eager to please. It's going to give you 150%, and you're able to really better cultivate and mold them into the employee or team member, as we like to call them. Um, that you really want them to be. Um, those are just a few of the great things about hiring somebody with less experience. And I think, I mean, we talked with Volpe about this. You don't have the baggage of they know the right way exactly. to do it in air quotes. And you say to, you like, got to tell people you you're, there's no television here. You got to say that you're doing the little quote fingers. No, no, no. I'll just <clears> record <throat> a video of me doing it and I'll, I'll post it on social media bear. The people will see. Okay, yeah. as long as, as long as you it. get your message across, that's fine. So the the now the 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 practice of getting past the resume. Can you kind of mm-hmm. go in that to that just a little bit more? Like, what is uh, what's an example of getting past the resume in, in in terms of finding the right worker? And like, whenever you're recruiting for a position, especially that something that's entry level, you really want to pay attention to personality, see if they're going to be a good culture fit. Um, I think work ethic is the biggest thing Um, because that's you can't really teach work ethic that's something that's just I think really ingrained in you Um, so those are a few things to really look at too and usually people who are younger less experienced they kind of provide a fresh way of thinking um, which would also be an advantage to a couple of the small business owners out there so how do how can you tell in an interview if someone has a solid work ethic like what are the things that you would look for in the room I think that whenever I'm at, you know, interviewing um, potential candidates, I think that just the way that they're talking about their experience and if they're go-getters, of course, everybody's going to say that they're a hard worker, but it's providing those examples of saying, I went this, I, I went above and beyond, for example. Um, so it's easy. It's easier to tell them what you think, really, just how they describe what they're doing, um, their daily job activities or responsibilities. Um, you can usually tell somebody who's motivated and really looking to um, make a difference and be a big contributor. You know, it's interesting. I was uh, hired once uh, and it wasn't here. It was actually at another company. And uh, it came out later. Uh, you know, I asked like, you know, I didn't really have any experience in the field. Why did you decide to hire me? And uh, he said it was the way that I talked about my father. Really? And uh, the way that I talked about how he worked relentlessly and that I would work alongside him just on on the weekends in the yard and things like that. And just, it was a little anecdotal thing that I talked about when he asked, 
you know, just about my family. And I just talked about my dad mm-hmm. and, uh, and he said, right then I knew you had a good work ethic. And, um, I think that's, that's important to get past like the question that's on the page necessarily, or in the, how to do interviewing for, you know, how, you know, how to do interviewing for Dumbery's kind of book or manual is you kind of need to ask the questions that you're interested in finding out. I mean, you right. want to get to know this is a person potentially that you're going to be working alongside, um, or at least in the relevant proximity. Um, I'm going to spend 40 hours a week with you. I, I want it, to not hate you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds, it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jess. I mean, that sounds like a, a silly uh, assumption, but I mean, people overlook that fact, right? Yeah, I mean, they absolutely. have to sit there with, for them or, or work out in the field for 40 hours with somebody. Bear, real quick, I want to tell the story of my favorite interview uh, that once I got the job, I asked them the same question you asked this guy. I got a very different answer. So I was in college and I saw on our like university job postings online that there was a nonprofit hiring someone to do like construction and design. And I was like, this sounds so fun. I have a little bit of experience. Like, let me see what I can do. I get an interview. And I have to ride the uh, Dallas area rapid transit to get there. So I take the train and I realize as I'm at the last stop in downtown that I don't know what stop I'm supposed to get off on. I can't remember. And so I panic <laughs> and I get off at West End because I'm like, this is obviously the last downtown stop. I Maybe this is right. In the whole <laughs> massive area of downtown. I'm just going to just pop out right here. So hopefully I, this is it. I hop out and finally it loads on my phone and I see that I've gotten off. Uh, like three stops early. And so there's a mile between where I'm standing and the interview. And if I wait for the next train, I'm going to be late for the interview. Right. Now it is August in Dallas. So it is 140 degrees. And I am in a shirt and tie, slacks, dress shoes, wearing a backpack with my... You pulled a Will Smith Pursuit of Happiness, didn't you? (laughs) I did. Dude, I sprinted through the convention, like you get the, that where the tracks run underneath the convention center. <laughs> I ran a mile to this interview. I got there on time. I go into the bathroom. I'm like, okay, I'm going to dry my face off real quick and just make sure that everything's all right. I go in and I take my backpack off. And that's when I see the like six inch wide bands of sweat <laughs> where the straps had been. Right. My shirt, like collar is disgusting and soaked. So I was just like, what? I'm just going to go upstairs, give the worst interview I've ever given. They're going to say, thanks for showing up today, I guess. And then I'm going to leave. You didn't have a jacket in the backpack? No. You couldn't throw it off? Oh, no. man. Uh, and then... It is, it is Dallas, and so I'm not going to fault you there. So. I showed up to my second interview. They gave me a second interview oh, after there you that. Go. Uh, Get off on the right stop this time. Yeah, and yeah, I did. And I was on time. And then they hired me. And then I told them, like, man, I was so embarrassed with that first interview. Like, I, I'm shocked that you guys had me back. Why did you hire me? And instead of saying, oh, we saw your work ethic and like being willing to run across downtown to be here on time, they said, you were the only applicant. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's solid. That's that's sensational. So did you did you tell them the story of the train in the first interview? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, I have to offer some explanation for why I look like I got sprayed by a water hose. Right. Can't look like a nervous, like a nervous Nelly or have you ever had anything like that, Jess? Is that anywhere anywhere here or at your previous post or anything like that? She's like, no, nah, I hire grownups, not college kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is that is such a good story. And if, if somebody, if a candidate would have told me that story, obviously I think it would have um, 
you know, shown a little bit of accountability, which I would have really liked um, as a recruiter. So I, I think that I definitely would have given you a second interview. That's awesome. Speaking of speaking of interviews, real quick. So this is a question that's that's not really on our, our topic, but it does have to do with hiring. So it, and it's it should be simple. So speaking about fathers and the way that my ta- my father taught me about things. One of the things he taught me is like uh, dress for the job uh, you want, but not the job you have. It's, you know that old old mantra and everything. And so no matter is, what, is that why you're wearing it? I'm at work. I'm not right in an interview. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, yes, that, it's, that Packers cap really and, communicates. <laughs> For two, the job you want. For my first three and a half weeks at this location, at Service Autopilot, I me, wore a shirt a and tie, thank you, much to the stares and chagrin of everybody in the office. So I started wearing a flannel and jeans because <laughs> I literally was at the emergency room with my son like the previous night. And everyone was wondering why I was at work and I didn't have time to go change into my shirt and tie. And then after that, I was like, you know what? This is comfortable. So I'm rolling with the <laughs> flannel and jeans, which is my normal attire anyway. How do you feel? I mean, how do you feel? How important do you feel in interviews? Is it for the candidate to be wearing, um, let's call it appropriate inter- interviewing dress, a tie, shirt for gentlemen, mm-hmm. um, business jacket, uh, perhaps a, a dress, uh, longer skirt or slacks for, for women? What You know, I think that first, before you can answer that question, you really have to look at the organization, right? Because here it is ingrained in you. We're casual. We're comfortable. We want you to come comfortable. Um, And I know when I actually send out interview confirmation emails that I put at the very bottom, please don't feel, please come comfortable. Don't feel like you have to dress up. You can be, we're very casual here. Uh, But 99% of the applicants still come dressed. I know I did when I interviewed. I still came with my, you know, jacket and heels and everything on. Um, So I think you really have to look at the organization first. Here, that's not something that we value. It's something, you know, that it's just not important to us. So we really look at the person and not, you know, how they're dressed, but some companies you have to dress up a little bit more. You could be more client facing. So you have to take that into consideration, but. Um, well, and you probably shouldn't expect the applicant to outdress you to, to show up for the interview. Right. So if you work every day in a long sleeve shirt and jeans, cause you're, you know, in and out of the field or having to help people with stuff. Right. It's probably, you're probably setting the bar kind of high for an entry level position to mm-hmm. expect this guy to show up, or guy or gal to show up in, you know, a full suit to interview. I just, I think it should never be counted against you though. I would never count that against somebody that came in because it sends a message to me that you care, right? You took the time to get ready and really try to be, look nice and presentable and in the least it's respectful. You. We were talking about hiring the right people, looking past the resume and, you know, looking past the suit or, or, or not suit for that matter. And, uh, but one of the things in when they've, you finally bring that person in, okay, you've made the decision, you've recommended hiring, the company's made the hiring now, or your everything, your human resources mm-hmm. and your ownership. Um, one of the things that you, you mentioned that's, uh, that you feel is incredibly valuable is actually onboarding the new employees. So talk a little bit about that and how you. Yeah, I think that, Onboarding is so important and it's often overlooked. Um, I think it's important to have at least everything ready for the employee day one. It sends a message that you care about them. Um, Like what we do here, which I think is amazing. We take them to lunch on their first day. We have all of their training set up and scheduled. This is what you're doing each day. So you can really get acclimated with our systems. But even if it's on a smaller scale than that, just having maybe their uniforms ready, having their desk ready, having their equipment ready is a huge thing. 
It makes it look like to the new hire that the person who is pledging to sign their paychecks has their ducks in a row. Exactly. On your first day, if they're complete, it makes it seem like a real business. Exactly. Uh, if you show up on your first day and they're like, oh, uh, we forgot that you, oh, uh, here's an old shirt. Right. Go ahead and throw that on. Uh, oh, do we have room for him in the truck? Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, like, it's going to seem like you don't know what you're doing. And if I'm your new hire, I'm now scared that like, oh, are his finances are in, in this kind of order? Like, is he going, is my check going to clear on Friday? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that was either my second or third day here, I actually started creating once I got with management and they said we didn't have a PowerPoint presentation because we have a lot of great benefits here. And it's important that the new hires that come in know all about the great benefits, volunteering, go through the health insurance with them as much as they can because health insurance, insurance in general is just confusing. Um, Put together some slides on that. And then more importantly, what your values and your mission is as a company so they can really buy into that. You want to like lay out the company culture. Exactly. You want to get them invested day one, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you are kind of struggling to define what your company culture is and you want ideas for like how to build a positive company culture, we have an old episode on the Profit Roadmap where we talk to David Martinez uh, here who, at Service Autopilot. Who invented company culture. Who invented company culture. Uh, and that's the name of the episode. David invented company culture. You can go check it out. But uh, I like the idea of getting invested day one and, and really getting your people to uh, buy in the way that you've bought into them. And I really like the idea that we're even investing more in that because I really felt when I started here that that, that was something that really was a positive. There really was the way that I was greeted, the way that I was treated. Um, and it wasn't like I wasn't held by the hand necessarily, mm-hmm. but I was was rooted on and cheered for and, and things. And, and that was, and that was something that was really encouraging that got me through the first few weeks as I was learning a new system and learning all about this new company and this, these new people that I was going to be spending 40 hours a week with and everything. And so when you invest in the, them at the very beginning so heavily, I think you just outlined wonderfully how, how it can really build a strong employee for the future. Mm-hmm. So we want to have an onboarding process that makes sure that they have everything they need to do their job, uh, that they are given an opportunity to buy in to the company mm-hmm. culture. Uh, and then we don't want to like throw them in the deep end until they're ready. Exactly. Uh, and then real quickly with the time that we have left, let's talk about everybody's favorite subject, healthcare. <laughs> so where should a small business owner who knows nothing about this start? If Let's say they, de- they can't afford to hire a full-time HR person. How can they... They want to start offering these benefits to their employees because they know it's important. How can they dip their toe in this pool without going crazy? Right. Or losing all their money? Right. Right. Well, I think the first thing you need to do is just really assess your needs as a small business owner. Every company is going to have different wants and needs and figure out what's important to you and your employees. Um, What if I don't even know the options? Uh, like if I don't know how to define my needs, how can mm-hmm. I go figure out what my options are? I would start off by by just researching in general. You can there's a lot of places online that you can go. The Exchange, Blue Cross, different medical providers like that that you can go and research. A lot of them have different plan options. A lot of them cater just to small business owners. We'll have a few links to things in the show notes that you guys can look at if you if you need help getting started researching there. And I think that there's there's a few things that you really need to look out at because there are a ton of options. Um, but always look at premiums, deductibles, network, 
um, prescription coverage. And then if you're really wanting to offer the full package, there's actually some providers that have um, dental and vision that you can add on to, too. So you can offer your employees better benefits. Is there a size of a company that you would uh, consider is ideal or optimal for considering offering benefits like health insurance to their to their team? Actually, there's there's a really strict line between that. So if you have 50 or more employees, you have to offer a group plan. 50 or less, you don't have to offer. Um, but there are some major tax incentives if, if you do. So it's really a win-win to offer. Um, I don't think there's really a specific number that you're that you need to look for. Um, it's just really, if you have the means to do it too, you know, a philosophy that, you know, I can't speak from experience on this, but I think that, you know, as you're growing your business and as you're getting more employees, I mean, whether we're starting at like five or 10, start looking into this because, you know, before long you're, then you're going to have the 15, you're going to be required to, and you're going to be forced into a decision you're not necessarily comfortable with. Well, and if it's not built into your budget, when you have 45 employees, you know, that whole time you've been building up to that point, Mm -hmm. when you cross that line, then it's going to be like, Oh, where does all this money come from? Like I have to raise all my prices to be able to make the money, to be able to afford this plan. When, if you had built it into your budget all along, you'd be in a lot better position. And that doesn't mean like day one, you need to exactly, offer yeah. but you need to figure out a plan to, to move that in. Exactly. And I think too, that just from, you know, going back to recruiting, um, it, it, you have to stay competitive in the market. And I think that employees, they want benefits, they need benefits. That's something that they're looking for. So in order to stay competitive with your competitors, that's something that you really need to consider. Unemployment's sitting right at like 4.1%. There are not a lot of fish in the pond looking for work. And so you have to. The market is hot, especially in DFW. It, the market's really hot right now. So it's it's interesting because I think that 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 that's something that I've heard from from our members and from leads that I talk to consistently, you know, other than like logistics from the lead side logistics, what I talk to them about with our program and how our program can benefit their business and everything. The number one issue that they talk about is labor. And if I think that those are, we've nailed out some incredibly valuable points, you know, for hiring them, uh, catering to them and making their experience with the company a whole lot easier, which promotes loyalty uh, so that you can go back full circle to where we started this conversation and promote internal candidates. Well, Jess, we really appreciate you uh, stopping by uh, today and uh, chatting with Cody and I and, and humoring us and our, um, our growing incessant villainy toward each other. Uh, as we decide, you know, who has a better sport. Uh, Bear, stop hitting of. me. Ow. <laughs> She's human resources. We've done an entire episode. Do you really want to start rumors this way? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we really appreciate <laughs> Jess. Thank you so much for dropping by. We had an absolute great time. We'd love to have you back because there are definitely some more pearls of wisdom. Yeah, Not did too. it again. Full circle. Uh, <laughs> pearls of wisdom that we want to get to when it hired because I think there are a lot of unturned stones in terms of how our listeners can better improve their companies mm-hmm. and better improve their profits with uh, by taking some of the philosophies uh, that you've illustrated today and have, I know, in your back pocket as well. Uh, for excellence in human resources. So we really appreciate you stopping by today. Thank you so so much. Uh, as always, everybody, he's uh, Cody Owen. I'm Bear Duplissy, and this is The Profit Roadmap. We'll see you next time. Hey, before we wrap, I wanted to give a quick shout out to former guest of the pod and uh, very good friend of the pod, Ted Glazer. He's always sending me messages about things he hears on the show. So now he gets to hear his name on the show again. So hey, Ted. 
All right, we're out. (laughs) (laughs) The music in this episode of The Prophet Road Mac was Rip Tide and Summon the Rock by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out Kevin's music, it's some good stuff, Incompetech.com.